are you ready to get cooking? Yeah. Help me in. All you need are the right ingredients. Interviews. Home Cooks. and everyday crazy people for a lovely meal. Welcome to JJ Jackson's Food Tips. The basics and beyond. The gourmet kitchen is indispensable. Now. 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 The doctor of funk himself, J.J. Jackson. Wow, J.J. Well, first off, we have a lot of good times on this show. This is all about the good life and enjoying great food, wonderful wine, incomparable home cooks, awesome chefs, great interviews, and terrific friends. Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond is a fast-paced lifestyle show that's fun and funny. Anything that relates to food service, home goods, restaurants, getaways, conferences, exhibits, vacation spots, just about anything that helps make life more enjoyable. Count on learning a few things and enjoying every minute of it. And in food news, news. time for food news. Food news. On food tips. The basics and beyond. Lose is good food for your mind. Food news. Everybody loved the food hacks so much. We got more for you today. This is so simple, but once you make this easy switch, you'll never look back. Turn your jar of peanut butter upside down. That's it. Natural peanut butter and other nut butters don't have any added stabilizers, so the oils will usually separate and move to the top of the jar. Save yourself the time and mess of trying to stir it together. Just store it upside down. The oils will head to the bottom of the jar, making it much easier to use when the time comes. Happy nut butter spreading and spooning. Alright, this is a good one. How many times have you tried to apply plastic wrap to a bowl or pan, only to end up with sheets of the stuff crumpled up and sticking to itself in a million places? But never to the bowl or pan in question. Here's the hack. You're supposed to store it in the freezer. When the plastic is cold, it's easier to tear off and apply to your pots and pans without it sticking to itself. Simply separate the piece you want to use and apply it to the item you're trying to cover. As the plastic wrap warms back up to room temperature, it'll soon stick to the item you've covered, rather than itself. Pretty cool. Okay, this one's a little bit out there. If you're planning on eating raw kale in a salad, massage the greens beforehand. Sounds a little bit odd, but it'll tenderize the hearty leaves. First, remove the stem and add a glug of olive oil, a squeeze of lemon, and a pinch of salt to the leaves. Then gently knead the kale with your hands until the leaves start to wilt a little. Careful not to overwork the greens, though. They'll become mushy. This will also work with arugula. I've tried it. James Jabbar is an award-winning chef and trainer who trains nearly 600 school nutrition staff and managers annually on kitchen skills, leadership, and hospitality. An alumnus of Johnson & Wales University, Providence, now residing in Riverdale, Georgia, when chef isn't training, he assists in developing trendy and healthy menu items for his local school nutrition menu team and its 50,000 students. I've known Chef James Jabbar now for probably maybe 12 years, something like that, James? Uh, about that, about 12 years, yes, uh, easily. I'm so happy to have you on the show with me. You uh, you work in Clayton County Schools. Correct. And, and you are a chef trainer there. 
Chef and trainer, correct. Uh, yes. Clayton County Schools is uh, how many schools in Clayton County now in Georgia? Sixty schools. Uh, we're the fifth largest in uh, Georgia, and we serve roughly forty-five to fifty thousand students daily. That's just amazing to me. Amazing, yes. You know, for so yes. long there were no, really, no chefs in in school nutrition. They, they just didn't exist, and that's almost like a, uh, I mean, recent. Maybe the last fifteen to twenty years. It's it's, it's recent. In fact, when uh, my boss, my director, Audrey Hamilton, when she presented it, it, it was. Uh, it was revolutionary, uh, and and she had no blueprint. Neither did I. And uh, and with me having a degree in culinary arts from Johnson and Wales, you know, I had enough experience to to go ahead and and and, and create this chef position. It's amazing to me that that happened like that because it it just it made perfect sense for so long. Schools were so undervalued when it came to nutrition. You know, going back to when uh, lunch was being served, what, in the uh, late 1800s when it started, I think, in Cincinnati. So uh, it's just great that it's finally come around full circle. And now even with the Department of Education in, in Georgia, and I think in a lot of the other states as well, they have a position uh, for a chef there that oversees some of the schools. Absolutely. And and not just, uh, well, you know, part of the training is serve safe. Right. Uh, I'm able to instruct on serve safe and, and administer that particular test. So uh, I'm able to go to each individual school uh, and, 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 and observe the operation because each school has different equipment. Right. Uh, and, of course, different employees. So I'm able to go to those schools and train them based on their equipment as opposed to just training them uh just just training them on culinary we can train them on their particular school now now here's the thing with that you're talking about 60 schools and you going into each individual school which i i have done that in districts before selling uh kitchen equipment and you you know every every kitchen is different but how do you manage, how long does it take you? I mean, you can't do that in a week. No, absolutely not. Our school year is 189 uh, days. Uh, yeah, it's difficult. I have a calendar where uh, managers request me to come out. And, and, and I usually have a two-week window. As soon as I post that two-week window, it's full in no time. So I'm able to go to those schools that are in, in dire need of me to come in and, and help train. And then after I get that group out, then I can go around and look at the uh, schools that don't need me as much but probably need a refresher. You're not only a chef trainer. You're also uh, a magician, and an entertainer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's one of those things that when I first first saw what you were doing, I was seeing the way you were. As a matter of fact, your, your Facebook profile picture has a picture of you with a butternut squash right next to you. So, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is good stuff. Yeah. Well, you know what? In the school system, the first thing you're taught uh, is personality. Personality, personality, personality. 
And uh, part of my job description is to go to these particular schools and uh, train on what we do. And of course, school lunch always had this stigma, you know, the mystery meat and what right. you're serving it. And so when I go in front of the, the students, they would usually be bored, uh, what I was talking about. And then they will only ask, you know, what is that mystery meat? Uh, so I decided to do magic. I used to do magic as a child. And and magic, ironically, is not that far from uh, from uh, food because chefs use a lot of food items. Sure. And so I just bridged it too. And so to make a, a apple disappear or reappear, to make salt disappear, reappear, then I'm able to talk about sodium, talk about vegetables, and then I had their attention. And so it, it was it was a golden time. It was fun. This was pre-COVID, and I had a blast. I, I tell you what, when I saw, there was one video you posted, and it was about green oranges. And I, I never understood the, the what I, I would think green oranges wouldn't be ripe, but can you explain they that? They are. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? A lot of times we get green oranges in the school system, and the children do not want them. They say they're not ready. They're not ripe. They're green. And, and I had to educate them and say, no, a green orange is usually... They're colored. They're ripe. So if you go into these warmer climates like Florida, you're going to see green oranges. And that's when they're ripe. And so a lot of times companies will either gas the orange and kill uh, and destroy the chlorophyll, which cause it to be green, or they actually add dye. And so uh, I had to educate the students because we were throwing away a lot of oranges I I never I I never knew that I I mean I don't I think most people don't know that so that's I mean even when you're going to the store if you see a green orange it It might be right pick it up in fact it is the most sweetest when it's green that's amazing it's juicier and it's green when it's green but what it is is chlorophyll that's all it is. And if you take that same green orange and, and you put it in your refrigerator, it may change. The color would change on you mm-hmm. because you put it in a, in a uh, cooler climate. But we had to educate the children on that a green orange is ripe and yeah. it's delicious. That's great. That's great. Are you finding that uh, some of the kids, at, and especially maybe at the uh, middle and high school level, uh, look at what you do, and they feel like that might be a career choice for them? Yes, absolutely. Well, of course, one of the things I do is I wear a chef jacket. Right. And, of course, that distinguishes me to some degree. But being able to go to the schools and talking with the students, one of the, one of the things I elaborate is that I didn't have to take an SAT test or an ACT test to go to Johnson and West University. Yeah. You don't have to. And so, and those particular uh, tests holds up a lot of students. Uh, so I'm able to get a education, go to college, uh, pledge a fraternity, get all of the uh, fun that a college come with off of a chef scholarship. Now, and so when I, yeah, so when I mentioned that, a lot of the students say, that may be a, a, a field for me. If, if I want to go to college, and I, this may be an option, it's an alternative, and technology can only enhance culinary, but it won't replace a chef. That's, that's, yeah, that's something like, uh, I mean, 
everybody's got to get a haircut except for maybe me. <laughs> so there's always a need for barbers. There's always a need for butchers. It's, you know, it's always a, a good idea to, to show kids that the trades that exist are great places to go and you can make a great living and, uh, you know, really in, enjoy the work at the same time. That doesn't get pushed that much. No, anything that you have to use your hand, uh, yes, that's, that's difficult to replace. It's difficult to replace you. It's a skill, it's a trade, and uh, you can only get better if you put yourself to it and just really learn and continue to groom and grow. That's that. That's great news. That's great news. And, and are you getting kids to uh, uh, cook a little bit as well? Yes, I have had that. I have uh, had some part of my routine doing the magic is sometimes I have the students come up and, and they do a, a cooking demonstration. And that was fun to get them to cook. And so, yes, it's, it's when I grew up, there was only one station that carried chefs and i think that was pbs and exactly. that was only yep. like yep. it, it was only like three chefs out there uh justin wilson right uh and then uh i can uh, and it was like two others uh julia childs yeah and who is that guy from uh other one from louisiana uh john false he had a yes. show and uh, yes those were great shows great shows but now there's a network multiple networks for culinary arts for chefs right. that run 24 7 so all of a sudden this thing called chef is 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 huge i ran into some celebrity chefs and these chefs got agents like sports agents and i'm like wow because you're a celebrity chef uh so the only thing is if you're a celebrity chef it's personality more so than skill exactly Exactly. And so you could be a skilled chef, but not have the personality to be on television and never make it on television. But your skills are great. So that throws a different dimension into culinary arts. And so when I talk with students, I try to uh, gauge them and engage them. See, where are you trying to go? Are you trying to be a celebrity chef or are you just trying to be a skilled chef because this is a passion to cook? Now, you got a book coming out called Squash the Beef. What is Squash the Beef? Now, Squash the Beef is a old hip-hop jargon. And you, you, you've been in music for a while. I have. And, and, and so in hip-hop, this was this term called Squash the Beef. And it means put your differences aside. Uh, and that's what Squash the Beef. And so uh, the book is, it isn't your average cookbook. It's, it's much more. Uh, it's a collection of recipes, wisdom, techniques, and how-tos from the kitchen, but it's also valuable life lessons and relational skills, which means squash the beef in terms of me having an employee. I have to squash the beef in order to, uh, you know, have unity in the kitchen. Uh, squash the beef in terms of my relationship with my coworkers, my friends, my spouse, uh, and, and it's just a phenomenal book. It, 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 it's not so much for the school system. It's kind of my story. Uh, and, and I'm just I'm just I'm just excited about it. I know you didn't ask me this, but when I first came to the school district, uh, I was a substitute teacher. And uh, the first place they sent me to was the EBD students. And that's emotional behavior disorder students. Mm -hmm. And this is a wow. This is a rough group 
Uh, and so you, you go there. I went there my first year, uh, and it was it was a tough group of students. Just hence the name. Well, my second year, they sent me to Jonesboro High School, and so ironically, the um, EBD school had shut down, and they moved them to Jonesboro High. So I'm like, wow, I got you again, but on, I'm going to be serving you this time. And they was all excited. They was like, hey, Mr. Jabbar, you, you, you're the manager. And of course, most of these students were hungry students. And that's why, you know, that the emotional behavior came in. And so that helped out to be able to serve those students. Well, I was moved from there, went to Riverdale High, and then went to Perry Academy. And guess what? They had moved the students again. And I'm like, wow, I can't outrun these emotional behavior disorder students. Yeah, so everybody knows uh, hungry hungry students can't learn. So hungry you know, students can't learn, exactly. And you a lot of a lot of these people that come to school, they come to school hungry and it might be the only meal they get. Uh, it is the only meal. See that? Yep. Yep. And so now I'm serving these students, but now I was that. I wasn't a hungry child. I grew up impoverished. It was uh, just my mom and five boys, no fathers uh, between us. Uh, and all this is in the book. And so I'm this hungry child. I'm stealing food to eat. Um, I was sort of like that emotional behavior disorder student. Sure. Uh, and so to come into the uh, nutrition department and serve these students, that was the passion. It wasn't so much of cooking. But more so to say, okay, I know this child is a hungry child. How? Because I was that. I know all of the signs. Right. And everywhere I go, I have to serve this particular group. They always where I'm at. The fact that you can pinpoint that because you lived it is amazing. And there's so many other people that have not had that experience in their life. So they don't really know what's causing the emotional behavior. It's uh, it, it, there, There's so much about this. This book has got to be incredible. Squash the Beef. When does it come out? Well, right now we're just doing marketing. We hope to uh, do a pre-sale uh, uh, in, uh, uh, we think, in middle of September, and then we're going to do a full launch in October. I'm hoping that uh, when you get ready to do that, let us know and... Uh, We'll talk about it here on the show. That sounds great. I appreciate you, brother. Well, Chef James, you are one of my favorite people and have been ever since uh, I saw you on the streets of Savannah in 2013. Uh, I love what you do, and uh, I just uh, hope you keep influencing the kids and, and, and doing good stuff for the district. I will, and thank you very much. Thank you very much. Do you know anything about wine? Anything about I don't wine? think I know somebody who does. Time for Super Wine Guy, Michael Gallant. Oh, yeah. Oh, he knows wine. He knows. Yes, he knows. The original wine connoisseur. He's been to France. Whether you're looking for good deals on great wine or great deals on good wine, stand by for more food tips, the basics, and beyond. Michael Gallant. I love those things. With my wine. Super Wine Guy Michael Galan is with us, along with our executive producer, the very lively Patio Furniture. Put your hands together, make some noise, show her some love, clink your glasses. It is the wine portion of the program, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Uh, we're playing songs now. Okay, all right. This is 
I feel like I'm on Ed Sullivan now. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, I've been, for some reason, in one of my Facebook feeds or something, I get all these old Dean Martin clips. Yeah. And they're, they're half the half the jokes that Dean Martin did for years are just all about drunks. Right. You know, he had all these yeah. guys who would come on and like Foster Brooks. Foster Brooks, who's the funniest, <laughs> funniest that he would come on and do it. And I've been watching these lately, going. Man, you know, we need a good uh, drunk comedian again. Right, you know? that's so, yeah, it'd be hard to do these days. I, I I met Foster Brooks in 1975 at the Beverly Hills Hilton. Yeah, are you going to tell me he didn't drink? So. Uh, he he wasn't drinking at the time. It was breakfast. Oh. There was <laughs> avocados on the plate. Nice. I think he was having a little smoked salmon. Yeah. Went by, said hi to him. Is nicest guy in the world to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. I just you know I just you know you always knew they were and it was funny. You know, Dean was always the straight man, you know, and right. so he'd bring him on. And I saw one with him and Tim Conway, and I was like, man, I miss those. Uh, Jerry Lewis. Yeah, I miss oh, those yeah. old good, you know, those the sketches based on a guy yeah. being drunk, basically. Yeah. Right. You know? right. So then, it wouldn't be politically correct anymore. The other but, thing, too, is, you know, a lot of guys used to dress up like women all the time who were comics. Absolutely. Yeah. Now there's Milton Burrow, some kind of weird it, you know? thing associated with, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, we live in those times. That's now, right. You know, That's right. So. Well, this wine is uh, delicious. Well, you know, it's funny. I was kind of trying to decide what to bring today for the, for the podcast. And I saw this in a box and I thought this will be interesting for a couple of reasons. So this is um, Kenwood Vineyards out of Sonoma, California. This is their Jack London um, Vineyard Cabernet. So Jack London um, lived in Sonoma, wrote, you know, the, um, what was his wolf? Uh... But anyways, matter of fact, on the label of this, this is Call their. Call the Wild. Yeah, Call the Wild. Very good. Thank, Thank you. you. And so so he wrote what was there. And so this is, no there's, there's an actual Jack London Vineyard in this area. And so um, Kenwood has made this bottling for many, many years. There's a, there was a higher level, there was a lower level. This was kind of their mid tier. And for me, it was always the best made for the money. And so I saw it today when I was messing around and there were two things. I love the label. I love, we, we had not been doing enough California wine. So I thought it was great. The other thing is, is when I looked at it is it's a 2014. And one wow. of the things, one of the things we haven't really talked about much, but I want to be able to is what happens to wine when it ages, you know, then how long will wine? I get that from a lot of people, you know, when I do an event or whatever, oh, how long will this last? You know, I've got this bottle of wine that's been in my, you know, my sunroom for 20 years and, you know, this, that, and the other, is it still drinkable? Like you get a ton of those. And so, so this is, you know, the, probably the current release of this is 21 or something, maybe mm -hmm. probably 2021. 20, so this is seven, six, seven years old at this point in the bottle. And you can kind of get that. It's got some, um, it is so. It's already. It was a big wine to begin with. You know, right. lots of tannins. You know, there was lots of oak on this wine. The vineyard is a very um, well known for producing. Um, you know, big bodied cabernets over in Sonoma. It, the actual appellation on this is, is Sonoma Mountain, which is a smaller sub area within Sonoma, and it's right. mountainside. You know, bigger fruit and things. Right. So, um, so that's one of the. So again, I saw it. I thought, you know what? This is a good time to to see how it has developed. And it has softened quite a bit. Um, it was very big and rich to begin with. It's still big and rich. This yes. wine still has at least 10 more years ahead of oh, it. Oh, it's, it's got some guts. Yeah, well, you'll see in an hour or so, two or so, two, it'll begin to, the air will soften it up. You right. know, that will begin to make it a little bit more approachable. But it's already got that big California Cabernet fruit. You know, lots of briar, um, you know, lots of um, black cherry fruit, mm. you know. 
it's obviously seen some oak. There's some woodiness to it, um, some cedar. And it's, you know, if you like California Cab, this is one of the reasons you like California Cab, this kind of wine. As wines age, the things that, that you lose are the things you really loved. You lose the fruit character. Right. You lose the structure, the tannins. Those are the sort of things that over time fade. You know, and what's left is just kind of, you know, a lot of times you get acidity left. You get alcohol, alcohol, which kind of never goes away. And so you just have to kind of, you know, you really want to catch a wine when all that stuff is 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 complimenting each at other, its, you know, at its, at, at its peak. You know, that's good. But it's hard to get that. It's hard to find that. And so how do you know when it's at its peak? You you know what? You make a guess. I right. mean, you basically go, I've had this a few times. That, right. That's the. The beauty of, you know, of drinking a fair amount of wine, like I do in, in a lot of times the same wine multiple times over multiple years, right. because there's how you can tell what it's going to do. You know, you say, oh, man, I had this wine two years ago. Oh, now it's a little softer or this is more prominent right. or whatever. That's the only way you can ultimately figure that out. And then you really have to guess. You have to say, you know what, I've had this wine enough or I've had a similar wine and it did this. And, and, you know, there's no, I defy anyone to, to be able to say, oh, this is, this is at its peak. This is where it's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse. Everything's well knit at this point in time. That's, you know, again, that's your own personal preference. Do you like it at this point in time? I remember years ago, I was at an auction in California and I bought a case of a hill, a mountain Merlot from Napa. And I bought it from, it was a charity auction and the guy from the winery was there and he said, oh, you should buy this. You should really buy this. It's great. And I bought it and I took it home the next day and I opened it and I went, ugh. <laughs> it was all, it was, it was all tannin, you know, cause it was oh. mountain fruit. It was all, it was, it, for me, it wasn't really very drinkable. The fruit wasn't there and all that. I went, eh, you know, case you know? And so I tucked it away. And what I did was I started giving it away. I started saying, because I'd had a full case, oh, hey, thanks for having me over. Here, take this bottle. Oh, here, it's Christmas. And, and then over the course of like two or three years, at some point in three years or something, I opened a bottle and I, and I went, what the? It, it had completely changed. And it was, was amazing. Oh, oh. Better, better, it was amazing. Oh, to the, to the, and I literally, well, I literally called a couple of people and I said, hey, you, you, still, still, you still got that bottle? I'll trade you something else for it. And they were like, but they were smart enough to go, oh, he, he's not. Indian he, giver. He, yeah, that's right. He tried to get over on me, but now, you know, I got one of him. But that's the way wine is. Right, it really right. is. I've killed a lot of wine, you know, a lot right. of wine that I should have drank earlier. And it's, and, you know, at some point I'm going to clean out the house and I'm going to find some stuff and be really unhappy when I find it, you know. So. Yeah. But that's, you know, you live and you learn that stuff. I cooked the first two or three cases that I ever seriously owned. I was living in Wisconsin. And I moved from Wisconsin. I'd gotten into wine and I moved from Wisconsin to LA, mm -hmm. you know, in the summer, in July, through the desert, because we stopped in Vegas for a while. Right. And, you know, I, I completely destroyed this wine. None of it made it, you know, because oh. I, mean, I didn't really know what I was doing. Right. I remember in Vegas, I just kind of happened to look at the cases they were in the way back end. You know, the corks were pushing up on most oh, of them. No. Oh, They were, gosh. yeah. They were just, you know, again, you learn, you learn, you learn, you know. Yeah. So this is uh, a very tasty wine. Yeah. So Kenwood Jack London series, you can buy this wine regularly. There's In the series, there's Merlot, Zinn, and Cab. It's reasonable. It's like 25 mm. bucks, something like that. The Cab, I think, is the gem in the series. It's Sonoma Fruit. Again, it'll last. This is a 2014. Current has got to be 2020. So... 
you know, this has been six, seven years. It's lasting beautiful and could, could take some more time, you know, and so, but this is, you can find it out there. It comes in nice six packs. Um, it's a good gifting wine for me because it plays above its head, you know. It's awesome. I mean, I think I bought some of it a couple of years ago for, you know, nineteen ninety nine on deal from somebody, you know, and so. What's the alcohol content? Oh, that's a good question, Jay. Let's see what we got here. Uh-uh-uh. Mouse type. Yeah, definitely. It says 14.5. Okay. So that's not horrible. Now, I, you, you got to remember that I can um, taste there's it. a certain wiggle room in alcohol levels. And it doesn't, when they test it, they can, you know, you can always figure it's a pro- it could be 0.5% higher, half a percent higher. Um, the government is not, you know, forcing them to, because the, that changes a little bit too as it's made at certain points in the process. So so this could be 15%, but 14.5 sounds about right. So. so any wine store, walk in? Yeah, not anyone, but you could probably, it's owned, Kenwood is owned now by a big wine company. So that means the wine's out there more. Uh, so you could ask, you know, it's going to be in virtually every major market in the U.S., definitely. Awesome. 25. You see this on a wine list, safe, 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 and it won't break the bank. But it's funny, it's not, there's not a ton of it made because it's the mid-tier. And I think it's it's not easy to find. I don't think you find it everywhere. Well, it's, so. a, it's a good bet if you can find some. Yeah, definitely. Seek it out. I think the wine's really good for the money. Well, that's a wrap on this edition of Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond. Had a few good food hacks this time around that should help you out in the kitchen. Thanks to Clayton County School District in Georgia for lending us chef and trainer for the district, Chef James Jabbar, a great guy with awesome skills. Thanks, too, to Michael Gallant for that Kenwood Jack London. It was a terrific tasting wine and worthy enough to look for. Patio Furniture made her way in today for the wine segment, and she's always right on time. And thanks to production wizard Dave Parker, rounds it all out with his great editing techniques. You got questions? We've got answers. Write to me, radiojackson at gmail.com. Until next time, I am J.J. Jackson, and this is Food Tips, the basics and beyond.